We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Pop Torah with Rabbi Iznopf and Olitsky, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Pop Torah, the podcast where we talk about pop culture from a Jewish perspective, and we talk about Judaism through the prism of pop culture. As always, we are your hosts. I am Rabbi Michael Noth. And I am Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. Uh, Jesse, 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 I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. Oh. <laughs> but I just want to say that, uh, that Judaism Unbound is the greatest Jewish podcast of all time. You're, you're, you're bringing back some Kanye um, <laughs> from, from the MTV Video Music Awards. Also throwing a little shade to uh, our fellow podcasters. Um, Mike is, is referencing uh, an old school reference to um, Kanye throwing down against Taylor Swift. And as a result, we're going to be talking about the new Netflix documentary about Taylor Swift called Miss Americana. Um, 2020 documentary film put out by Netflix, directed by Lana Wilson, um, and it really follows Taylor Swift throughout her life over the course of several years of her career, as she is um, uh, some reference to the Reputation Stadium Tour, as she is coming up with uh, songs for her album Lover, and actually premieres on that documentary uh, a new single, Only the Young, uh, which came out, and you could stream it on Spotify and on other streaming systems since the documentary was uh, premiered on Netflix. The documentary itself really focuses on Swift's evolution as an artist, starting as solely a country artist, going to a pop artist. It talks about her own battle with uh, body image and eating disorder, her own sexual assault trial where she took uh, a radio host to, to court, uh, sued him for one dollar because um, and during a a photo shoot he uh, grabbed her and assaulted her. Um, it talked about her own um, struggle with being judged by others. Uh, you referenced Kanye, right? She was a young woman when she won um, music video of the year, and he gets up on stage, clearly high or drunk or whatever, um, really a decade ago. And calls her out and says, uh, you know, he's going to let her speak. But Beyonce was the greatest of all time, the greatest moment. And she was criticized thinking, being told that she used this as uh, an opportunity to increase her stardom, use this as a publicity moment. Um, She talks about her own struggle with finding her voice, her decision to be public with her own political views and the backlash, both from her own family, but uh, from fans that she received as a result. I have to admit that I was not a Swifty, as they call themselves, a Taylor Swift fan. Is that what they, is that what they call themselves? They call themselves Swifties. Wow. Um, I was I not a... Something new on this yeah, podcast. I was not a Swifty, um, but watching this, I, I, I had very low expectations about this documentary, and I really loved it. Um, and you know, for weeks, 
as I'm making dinner in the kitchen, uh, all we listen to is is Taylor Swift uh, on Spotify on Shuffle, and the kids love it. I'm I'm loving her out al- her new album Lover. I think it's really incredible. I think the lyrics to some of the songs give me chills, um, and I think she really is a very underrated artist. And, you know, a lot of people talk about how she's overrated and they troll her. Um, I- I'm now a huge uh, Taylor Swift fan, um, and I love the documentary. Um, Mike, are you a Swifty? Uh, I am now a Swifty. I think I I, I, I resonate with what you said. I, I was um, I always had a, sort of like an appreciation for you know some of her songs before, um, and you know I've obviously kind of like seen her rise uh, over the past uh, decade or so um, from you know her country star roots or country music roots uh, to her you know, sort of pop superstardom. Um, but uh, because I am now a 37 year old man, and that means, you know, I spent this uh, decade in my uh, mid to late twenties through my mid to late thirties. Uh, I was not really the target demo uh, for uh, Taylor Swift's mu- music for most of that time. Uh, so I sort of like missed that kind of pop culture moment of uh, Taylor Swift's rise in a significant way. You know, I, um, I, when I think of like, you know, um, uh, uh, pop stardom, you know, from uh, like when I would have been the target age, it was like Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and then the boy bands of like uh, Sync and, uh, and the Backstreet Boys. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so, and it's actually, I mean, it's interesting to sort of compare the trajectories of those, uh, of those performers uh, to Taylor Swift, uh, especially insofar as like some of the things that she talks about uh, when it comes to wrestling with her body image and finding her voice politically, and um, and the expectations uh, that uh, that that we have uh, for uh, women versus men uh, uh, of all stripes, but in particular in the entertainment world, you know, she mentions once that like. Um, you know, uh, female performers, you know, have to like redefine themselves every or have the expectation that they have to redefine themselves every two years or they won't stay relevant. And like, we don't expect that of, uh, of, of male performers. So um, I, I just found that that was an interesting commentary um, on, you know, sort of like a meta commentary on, on what it means to be a, a, a female pop star uh, today uh, and what it has meant uh, over the course of history. Um, but now, Jesse, I agree with you that we're that we're we're in a perfect demographic right now to have uh, young daughters uh, who are just the right age to love Taylor Swift. Uh, and my, my son, my son as well. Uh, yeah, is, my is son a too. Big Taylor Swift fan. Yeah, so we've been playing it on shuffle too here, and uh, the kids have been rocking out to it, and it's and it's been great. So I'm I, I definitely would consider myself a Swifty now. Excellent. Um, you know, I think you make a good point about the her evolution as an artist. Uh, and this documentary focused a lot on her release of the album Lover. Um, her previous album, Reputation, uh, wasn't so successful with awards. And so she said, all right, I'm going to dig deeper. I'm going to try harder. And I'm going to write songs that I find meaningful, songs that speak to me, uh, and using her voice uh, to really share a specific message. Um, were there specific songs on the album, you know, as we continue to play Lover in Our House on Repeat, that uh, speak to you and stand out to you? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that uh, You Need to Calm Down is a banger. It's just such a great song. Uh, and I recognize that uh, that it, it you know, enjoyed like uh, um, a certain amount of controversy within progressive circles um, uh, uh, when it when it came out uh, because of its um, maybe somewhat muddled message uh, related to being um, uh, an ally to the LGBT community. But it's, I think it's just such a great song. And I and I resonate before I realized that. Um, I thought it was a song about, you know, getting bullied on the Internet, um, which uh, is certainly part of Taylor Swift's story um, and something that I identify with. I've had my experiences with that, too. Um, and so it, it really resonated with me. Um, so I, I definitely say that one. Uh, the Man is a great song. The title track, Lover, is beautiful. Um, what do you think, Jesse? Yeah, I love You Need to Calm Down. Um, I know that there were that, it you know, there are some who said it doesn't speak um, enough about being an ally for the queer community uh the man uh does a great job of really speaking about gender stereotypes and how society views um men and women especially male entertainers versus female entertainers um you know the the, the first hit single from the album me i just love it yeah. it's that sort so of um, sort, sort of pop anthem yeah, um so and and even, you know, the, the documentary title, Miss Americana, is taken from uh, the seventh track on the album, Miss Americana and the Heartbreak Prince, uh, I love as well. Um, can we come back to You Need to Calm Down? Sure. Uh, it speaks about the way not just um, homophobia and hate towards the LGBTQ community, but the way people mask their hate and hide behind their keyboards, really the way that I think it's much easier for us to, to spread bigotry through social media. And the idea that social media is the way that we communicate more often than not. And I have people who I consider dear friends who I've never met before, but we communicate via social media. Some of them are rabbinic colleagues who really inspire me with a tour that they teach through social media. And when I meet them for the first time in, in person, you know, I, I embrace them, give them a hug. And I was like, oh, I really know you. Um, I've been you know, following your tour for years. But what that also means is that people use social media and they think that it, it gives them an opportunity to spread anything spread torah to spread hate to spread words of violence uh and they do so hiding behind a screen hiding behind a keyboard i, I like to believe that they wouldn't share those actual views uh in person they wouldn't speak those words of hate coming out of their mouth but having it directed towards somebody who they're not face to face with uh they're not saying those words out of their mouth it almost gives them permission to be more hateful yeah, I think that's right. You know, it's um, this is something that uh, that that Judaism, as well as other you know uh, religious and wisdom traditions, um, you know, really have to grapple with more. Uh, and I think that you know, uh, in some ways, will um, will will live or die uh, as a uh, as a faith tradition in this moment, uh, not based on how well we can utilize these platforms, which you know, I think that we're you know, we're doing a, some some organizations better than others, but uh, but we're, we we we've now kind of uh, I think figured out how to 
capitalize on the environment of social media to, you know, advertise and spread our messages and communicate with our with members, at least some of us have. But I think that the, the bigger question is, um, how, what wisdom can we offer uh, uh, in this in this really unique moment in, in human history, um, given the way people are able to communicate with each other on these platforms, both for for good or or for ill, and you know, it seems to me, uh, my my teacher Rabbi Ed Feinstein um, uh, once said to us that you know, Judaism doesn't believe that that money is inherently good or inherently bad. It's inherently morally neutral. And it's just a question of how you use it. And I think that that is probably something that's worth. Uh, uh, saying about social media too, that uh, it's not that I think, you know, Jewish tradition would have like a kind of Luddite perspective on social media and say, you know, this newfangled technology is all unkosher, don't use it. And I, and, and I don't think it would say that, well, you know, it's just the same as like, you know, talking to everybody else. Uh, and so it's like, it's perfectly morally okay. Uh, and, you know, uh, use it and enjoy. I think Judaism would have a much more uh, nuanced take on on uh, on uh, what what happens on and what we do with those kind of platforms. Um, I thought that Taylor Swift in the documentary um, had a really kind of candid exploration about uh, and and it, this is present on on You Need to Calm Down, another of her songs too, uh, about you know uh, how she has been personally impacted uh, by the by the vitriol. Um, that is sometimes uh, leveled against her uh, in, you know, in sort of classic media, but also in in social media, uh, and the way in which toxic voices uh, can be uh, amplified uh, and and spread much more quickly um, uh, uh, because of those kinds of platforms. I personally, you know, I'm not, I, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm not comparing myself to Taylor Swift. I'm in no way a public figure in the way that she is. Um, but, you know, insofar as, as rabbis, especially congregational rabbis, uh, tend to be somewhat public figures, I've experienced this too. Um, that, uh, you know, it's not just that we put ideas out there into the world that people sometimes might agree with or disagree with and, and, and participate in the marketplace of ideas um, uh, about those concepts or arguments that we, that we level out. I think that that's uh, fair game and that's kosher. Uh, but uh, what I found is that social media gives uh, much more of a platform for um, ad hominem attacks uh, and character assassinations uh, uh, about uh, uh, about people. And this is true of public figures and non-public figures. Uh, people are, are bullied on those platforms in, in really vicious and brutal ways and really devastating ways because it's... Uh, uh, Aaron Sorkin wrote uh, in The Social Network, um, the movie about Facebook, uh, he said, you know, uh, the Internet is written in pen. Right. So the uh, uh, so those things that people say, um, you know, essentially end up being there forever and become crystallized right. into um, into kind of public consensus about uh, about who and, and what people are. Um, so it's uh, it's it, it can be a really dangerous uh, forum and a, and, a, and a very destructive platform uh, too, uh, and I and I think about, uh, you know, I think about the uh, the the uh, Jewish story about uh, that compares speech to a uh, to a bag of uh, to a pill, to a feather pillow uh, that uh, you kind of get shaken out into the wind um, and say, okay, now go and collect all of these feathers, and of course you can't. Uh, and uh, and and that's the, what happens normally in speech when we when we have uh, you know when we say something negative about somebody else or, or spread a rumor about somebody else um, that uh, that we might 
feel regret about that personally. Uh, but we, but we can't really take it back once it's out there. And that's all the more true about the internet. It calls even more, I think, for us to, to really drill down on Jewish traditions of Shmirat HaLashon, of guarding our speech, um, and, and of, and of really teaching this. And, and it calls, I think, for really engaging with that idea in our congregations and our communities in ways that we, um, I think have been negligent about, uh, um, uh, uh, up until now. I mean, I think that this is a moment in which the Jewish traditions, rich culture, rich history, uh, rich tradition of guarding speech is really important. The other thing that I just want to say before I turn it over to you, Jesse, for your thoughts is um, Clay Shirky in his great book, uh, Here Comes Everybody, which uh, examines uh, what social media and the Internet has uh, changed about organizational culture, um, is that. Uh, the internet flattens authority so that, you know, uh, uh, any person with an idea or an opinion who has an email address um, can be given the same platform um, as people with, uh, with a lot of nuance and a lot of learning. And usually people with the, the uh, most intense opinions who are the loudest, uh, who have the uh, least nuanced views are the ones who are able to accelerate their point of view faster uh, in those platforms. So it, so the, the challenge of those platforms, I think, is that they, is that they amplify, uh, a lot of times, um, precisely the most dangerous and destructive voices. Yeah. You know, um, Taylor Swift, uh, and, um, on a previous album, 1989, which was her, uh, 2014 album that was released, which is also, you know, now that I'm listening to all of her albums, it's also a really incredible album. Um, but she came out with the, the hit single Shake It Off, which is a great um, single that focuses on how all these people criticize her and criticize her actions, criticize the people that she dates, how she parties, whatever. And she's not going to let it get to her. She's just going to um, have it roll off of her, literally shake it off. Uh, right. She says, hey, going to hate, right. hate, 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 hate. Right. Um, but I, I did but, not, but the, but I did but not this get is a, a shake it off vibe from her in the documentary. In the documentary, we say right, we say sticks and stones may break my bones, but but words will never hurt me. Um, that's not true. Um, and we could talk about how we try to shake it off, but but we all have feelings, um, and we all are are hurt by the things others say. Um, you need to calm down, takes a very different perspective, right? It doesn't talk about, all right, I'm not going to let it get to me. It says, you need to think twice about what you say. It talks deeply about the impact and hurt and harm that trolling and slinging this, this hatred on the internet, behind a screen, behind a keyboard, uh, the impact that that has on on society as a whole. I think the Hasidic story about the the pillowcase and the feathers that, that you shared, Mike, is a good example. Uh, but it, it, there's a ripple effect to the to the hate that we share. And even when we say we're going to shake it off, it doesn't hurt us. I, I think she acknowledged in the documentary that we're all human. Like they always say, don't read the comment section. Uh, whenever you, you post an op-ed, right, whenever you right. post a, an article online, we certainly share our, our, our Torah and use social media as a way 
to share our Torah. They say, don't look at the comments because people uh, post such vitriol. They say, okay, you're putting it out in the internet. So it's public domain. It's open to anybody to share their thoughts. And I want people to share their thoughts with me. But people think that gives them permission just to be mean. Right? There, there right. there's there, she has uh, another song. Um, I think it was on Red Album. Um, mean. Right? That that mm-hmm. the whole idea of that song is she literally says, Why do you have to be so mean? No, sorry, it, it was on her album Speak Now that came mm-hmm. out in, in twenty ten. Uh, that, that why do you have to be so so mean to her? And she says, you know, you keep being mean. You 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 keep disrespecting me. I'm gonna do me, and I'm gonna be successful. And you're just gonna stay in your same place of life where you are, just being mean to people, and nothing good is gonna come from that. Right. Um, you know, I think that there's there's uh, a, a couple of things there that are that are worth holding up. You know, the first is. Um, that you know, uh, I think that Taylor Swift's uh, what she's what she's put out there. You know, the the, the commentary that she has on this moment, I think, is really um, empowering uh, for a lot of people um, and, and really important. Right? That that you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna keep on moving on and I'm gonna make myself successful. You know, despite your attacks, I think that that's that's really important. But I think it also um, it it it. Um, it uh, uh, absolves uh, responsibility for uh, for how people actually behave. You know that that um, to say I'm going to keep on moving on despite the fact that you're being mean um, does not, uh, I think, challenge uh, the the, um, the the sort of communal ethic um, around like how we are going to engage with each other um, in these digital spaces. Uh, much less how we engage with each other in, in person. And, and the other piece of it, you know, that, that I think is really challenging for us right now is um, what I've found, and, and I, see, you know, I see this all the way up to uh, politics, um, is that uh, we are doing a really bad job of punishing this, that kind of malignant behavior. Uh, in fact, we, we, do, uh, we, we much more often reward it, right? I mean, you know, uh, the, the, uh, I don't want to say something too especially political, but I, I suspect maybe our readers will forgive me when I just offer my personal opinion about this. That we elected one of the most um, one of the most prolific internet trolls to be president of the United States. Yeah, um, ab- absolutely. And when you see hate coming from the top, uh, right? He he. You know, the first lady has her. This is the irony, right? She has her whole. Um, campaign hashtag be best about stopping internet bullying and you have this internet troll in the White House who's responsible for it who who gives permission uh, to do so who name calls against all of his political opponents Uh, so of course people think it's okay to comment to post to tweet uh, such negative thoughts against somebody else uh, speaking about politics, though, I also, you know, you also see in the documentary Taylor Swift coming to terms with her role uh, as a celebrity and how she wants to use her voice and, and how she thinks she has a responsibility 
to use her voice, going it, using it to take a political stance. Specifically, um, she talks about the 2018 election. Uh, with the 2016 election, she was actually, you know, quiet. But the 2018 midterms, where uh, Marsha Blackburn is running for the Senate seat in Tennessee, uh, where her home, and how this is a, a woman who she says right is against gay rights is against uh is not pro-choice right is against reproductive rights and reproductive justice and and against the violence against women act right and so she says it's her obligation now to to stand up and, and speak up and she gets a lot of pushback from that including from her father which you see in the documentary he says you know this is really going to may diminish your your record sales and is it worth it for you? Is it worth it to speak up and to speak out if it's going to hurt your sales? And, and she only says yes. And you see what happened. Marsha Blackburn still wins, um, right? To the the Democrats are pretty successful in taking back the House, and they lose several Senate seats. Um, and this is one of the 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 ones where it's a pretty demanding defeat, and, and she hurts. Uh, because she put herself out there um, hoping that it would make a difference, uh, and it didn't. And, you know, I'm thinking about what her role is as a celebrity, somebody who who, who has a a voice that people listen to and speaking out for certain causes. People often say, right, when a celebrity speaks out, hey, stick to music, hey, stick to sports, hey, stick to, stick to movies. This is not your your realm, um, right. They say that to us all the time. Hey, stick to Torah. Don't stick to politics. I'm wondering, you know, what role, what is our responsibility when it comes to politics as public figures? And I think as rabbis, as clergy, that is, you know, where certainly included in that. Yeah. You know, so that, that part of the documentary, you know, really struck a chord with me. Uh, and, you know, uh, Michael Jordan once famously said that, you know, both Republicans and Democrats buy Nikes. Right. So that, that's why he, you know, studiously avoided wading into any uh, kind of like partisan political issues or, or controversy. Um, but I, I think that, you know, uh, Taylor Swift's uh, uh, perspective to the contrary was, you know, listen, uh, you know, I might, like you said, I might, I might lose fans, I might lose support, I might lose money uh, from doing this, but that doesn't mean that it's not the right thing to do. And, you know, part of what takes courage is, doing the right thing, even if it comes at, uh, at, at personal cost. Um, so, uh, so I think that that's really important. I, you know, I, um, uh, uh, you know, I, I struggle with this a lot. Uh, and I, and I suspect that you probably do too, Jesse, that, um, you know, I, uh, whenever I, uh, wade into, um, uh, social issues, uh, that I believe the, uh, voice of Torah and tradition, um, speaks to, um, because we have, um, an ethical tradition, we have a moral tradition, um, we have a prophetic tradition, we have a tradition, um, that, um, that, that has a lot to say about how we, um, construct society, uh, and, uh, how we ought to fix, um, our community, our city, our, our, our country and, and our world. Um, uh, 
but uh, you know, but when when we do, we get like you said, those voices that say, you know, stick stick to Torah, um, don't talk about politics, or you know, this is going to be alienating, or you know, we, you've you've uh, congregants that leave the synagogue, whatever, right? So there are real there are real costs uh, sometimes to um, uh, to uh, speaking your conscience. Uh, and nevertheless, right, the question is, um, you know, uh, uh, when is it appropriate to do that? When is it demanded of us to do that, even if it comes um, uh, at, you know, uh, at, at, you know, some kind of financial cost or some kind of personal cost or some kind of reputational cost, um, some kind of uh, cost to, to power or, or position? Um, and, and I think that that is um, uh, uh, Taylor Swift's wrestling with that question was really inspiring to me. And I, and I suspect that if, you know, a lot of our fellow clergy were to watch the documentary, they would uh, resonate with that uh, pretty strongly. Right. She, I think she was saying that she had to be her authentic self. And if she wasn't, then the amount of money that she made uh, wouldn't matter, right? The, the, the success you have in the tour that you teach uh, is, it, it's almost... Uh, disingenuous Torah, right? It's inauthentic Torah if it's not authentically yours. Right. Um, right. You and I have wrestled with this in how we've spoken out against President Trump, both as president, but also when he was that candidate Trump uh, and some of the criticism and backlash that we've gotten from some in our own communities, some in peripheral communities, some among colleagues. Uh, David Wolpe, right, is rabbi at Sinai Temple. Uh, He published uh, an op-ed piece um, in the Jewish Journal in June of 2017 about why he wrote, why I keep politics off the pulpit. Um, and basically saying that you could love Torah and vote Democrat and you could love Torah and vote Republican, um, suggesting, though, that, um, that you know, you, you shouldn't stand for anything because you may offend somebody. Uh, to his credit, Rabbi Rick Jacobs, uh, who, who's the head of the Union for Reform Judaism, responded a week later with an op-ed in the same Jewish journal and saying, you got it wrong, right? Well, you should never tell somebody, vote for this person or vote for that person, vote for this candidate, vote for that candidate. Um, you know, truthfully, in doing so, you're actually um, breaking the law. It's, it's The Johnson Amendment uh, prohibits clergy and house of worship from, from endorsing candidates, even though plenty of our evangelical brethren do so. Um, what Rick Jacobs was saying was that you need to take a stance on something, right? That, that, that if, if you don't, that, then it's meaningless. Uh, your, your Torah is meaningless. Right. That we, we need to be true to our authentic selves. You know, what we say in our own community is that we'll never be partisan, but we will always be political, right? We will never say vote for this party, this party, vote for this candidate or this candidate. But if we don't say that our Torah speaks to issues going on in our worlds, then what's the point of Torah, right? If we don't say that Torah doesn't stand up for those in need, the weak, the vulnerable, the stranger, the oppressed. And unfortunately, the reality uh, in, a, in our society is that those have become very partisan issues. Right? I'm, I'm sorry if dealing with immigration is a partisan issue, but don't tell me Torah doesn't talk about that. I'm sorry that if healthcare is a partisan issue, but don't tell me that our, our faith doesn't talk about that. I'm sorry that 
dealing with the impoverished has become a partisan issue. But don't tell me that Torah doesn't talk about that. And if we're afraid to speak about those things because it comes off as partisan, then we're not being true to the Torah that we claim to teach and uphold, the Torah that we claim to be a tree of life. It's only a tree of life if we understand how it's supposed to guide us in our lives and how it resonates in our lives. I applaud, right, that's right. I applaud Taylor Swift for, for taking a stand uh, on the issues that she believed to be true to her authentic self. I think more rabbis, even if it means that that's, that, that we, that, that there are members of our communities that decide that the Torah that we teach may not be right for them. And I think more of our colleagues should be more authentic in the Torah that they teach. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I really uh, relate to all of that. Um, and, you know, I think that we forget that, you know, uh, at one point, um, uh, issues like um, slavery versus abolition, uh, issues like women's suffrage, issues like, uh, um, uh, uh, like uh, uh, civil rights were all uh, partisan political issues. And nevertheless, um, you know, uh, the, you know, Torah, I think has very clear, um, uh, uh, demands, uh, or wisdom to teach, um, uh, about, uh, about all of those issues. And so the question is, you can't just hide behind say, well, you know, listen, we don't want to, we don't want to offend people on this side of the political aisle or on that side of the political aisle. So we're not going to make a stand. Like, I, you know, I'm sorry that human dignity, um, is a, you know, a wedge political issue at the moment, but like you have to take a side, Torah would say you have to take a side on this. Um, and if that happens to align with what one party is saying versus what another party is saying, um, that's not our fault. That's the, that's the, that's the broader culture's fault. And we can have a voice in trying to shift and, and shape that because, you know, um, human dignity should not be a partisan issue. We agree with that. Right. But, uh, um, insofar as it is, we want to push the envelope and say, um, uh, you, you, you know, you need to, uh, uh, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, if you're on one side of the political aisle, that's not in favor of this issue that is about human rights and human dignity, then, uh, um, then, then demand that the leaders that you support, support that issue too. Right. And if, if you're, um, uh, and, and if not, then, um, then you, then, then you continue to be, uh, a, a voice of, of, uh, of support for, uh, for that for that issue. I think that we, uh, we make a mistake when we, uh, when we say that, you know, uh, that the, that the primary objective, um, of the, of the rabbinate, um, of teaching Torah, um, is to ensure that whatever a person's, you know, political predilections are, that they are comfortable, uh, in, in our spaces. Our job isn't necessarily, I mean, their job sometimes as rabbis is to comfort the afflicted, right? But, um, but that's not, exclusively or even primarily our job. Our job is to teach Torah. And sometimes um, Torah uh, offers perspectives that are um, challenging and disquieting to the status quo. And I think that my problem with uh, with Rabbi Wolpe's argument and others is that to say I'm not going to, to talk uh, about political issues from the pulpit um, always then ends up endorsing or siding with the status quo, which is in itself a political position, right? So for Taylor Swift to get up and not say anything about Marsha Blackburn, uh, given the, the position that she has and the voice that she has, the influence that she has, is tacitly an endorsement for the status quo. Um, and so I think that that does 
Uh, it's silence uh, in and of itself is tantamount to, to consent, as the Talmud right. says. As the Talmud says, right? And the Talmud also says that anybody who has the ability to, uh, to protest against uh, the, the actions of their family but doesn't do so is uh, held responsible for the, for the sins of their family. And the same for your community, the same for your city, the same for your country, and the same even for the entire world. So, um, so we, we are commanded to use our voice to speak out all the more so when we have an outsized voice, an outsized platform, and an outsized influence. Um, I had a, um, a, a pastor friend here. Um, I spoke alongside him at a uh, high school baccalaureate ceremony last spring. Uh, and, uh, and, and he gave one of the most powerful it was surprising in a way because I didn't actually think that he um, was this kind of, uh, of pastor. But you know, he said, like, we're living in these really, really challenging times. Right? And he said, you know, uh, he named uh, a number of uh, issues ranging from immigration to, to civil rights um, uh, 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 and on and on. He said, you know, I have children and they're going to grow up one day to be your age graduating high school. And they're going to go to college and they're going to be living with the ramifications of what happened during this time and place. And they're going to say to me, um, you had a congregation where you uh, were with you know, hundreds of people week in and week out. You had the resources of a, a, a fairly privileged community. Um, where were you? What did you do? What did you say um, when these affronts to um, our most cherished religious values were, were being perpetrated um, all right in front of our face in broad daylight? And that was haunting to me. Right. What, what is uh, Martin Luther King had a quote? Right, well-known quote is that um, we remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Right? Are we only speaking out when something directly impacts us, or do we think I'll be safe in, in this moment, um, or are we speaking out because um, we know that what impacts one impacts all of us? Uh, I, I think too many of our colleagues are silent. Um, I don't know. This may be controversial. But they're silent out of convenience. They're silent because they're worried about job security. They're silent because right. if they if they piss off too many people, then they'll leave their shul, their community, or they'll piss off a big donor. I think the biggest problem with uh, the conservative movement, which really tried to present itself as a centrist denomination in Judaism, wanted to please those on the left or, or the right. And it's not about being left or right. It's about being authentic to what we believe the Torah says. I fully acknowledge, by the way, that Torah is subjective. Um, but there are certain things that I think are pretty black and white in the Torah. We may read it and comment and interpret it differently, but I don't want to be a part of a Jewish faith that does not have concern for the most vulnerable. Right? I don't want to be part of a Judaism that does not care for the immigrant, that does not care for the impoverished, that does not want to provide... Uh, health care for all those who are in need, those who are ill, is my, uh, is my own societal beliefs, are my own societal beliefs and my own political beliefs influencing my understanding of Torah? Maybe. I fully admit that. But I, th I very much believe my Torah influences the way I view society and our interactions with society. Does that mean that my Torah sometimes comes off as partisan? It means that my Torah always comes off as political, and unfortunately, we live in a very partisan world where all politics are partisan. 
Right. I think that I think that there's you raise a good point. I mean, I think that there's always going to be um, I would call it a symbiotic relationship between um, the you know the 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 uh, point of view um, and predilections that we bring to our reading of the lens through which we read Torah um, and the influence that that uh, that Torah has on our worldview. And so there's it, it's it's not always uh, um, clear you know, which is the dog and which is the tail there to mix my metaphors, right? That like, you know, sometimes those things are happening simultaneously um, or sometimes they're happening separately, but uh, but it's hard to always suss them apart. But that's true of any culture. And that's, I think that, you know, um, we could say that about, uh, you know, the 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 uh, analysis that Taylor Swift goes through in the documentary. I'm not so sure that it's uh, at all possible to be engaged in any kind of um, cultural productivity, um, to you know, to be a to be an artist, to be a musician, to be a songwriter, um, to be somebody who uh, uh, consumes those uh, 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 those forms of expression, um, and not uh, and not see them through the um, through your own personal lens, and also have them in some way impact how you then go and see the world. I mean, that's what art does. That's what culture does. And so, insofar as as Torah is a cultural expression, it, as, insofar as Torah is a is is a is is a time tested and 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 cherished and valued uh, work of art, I think it, it functions in a, in a similar kind of way. So, I think Taylor Swift is actually being pretty honest in saying that um, you know, as an artist. I can't not do this, right? And so, um, yeah, okay, I could be silent about it, but my silence is also um, uh, uh, going to be a form of expression uh, about uh, about these issues, and it's going to be uh, um, read by people in a particular way. And it's, and you know, so and so. I think that the same is true of Torah, right? We may not be able to separate what what I'm bringing to the text and what the text is uh, giving to me. Sometimes those things are inextricably linked, um, but nevertheless. Um, the, the, all that we can do, um, is try to live in the world, um, with, uh, with, with, uh, as much integrity, um, as we can to, to be on the outside who we are on the inside, um, and to, and to share with people, you know, um, uh, here, you know, the, uh, uh, what, uh, Lincoln said in his second inaugural address is, uh, is, is really profound, right? With, with, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, right? So in other words, we may not have a monopoly on what's right or what's wrong, right? We can only understand what's right to the best of our ability, right? As God gives us to see the right, but nevertheless, we have to be firm in what we believe to be right because that's the best that we can do. And, you know, Taylor Swift, to her credit, her most recent single, which was not on the Lover album, but came out after uh, the Miss Americana documentary premiered, on Netflix, she writes this song in the documentary. It's her response to only uh, to the 2018 midterm elections and to Marsha Blackburn actually winning the Senate seat. It's called "Only the Young," uh, and the the lyrics are ch- chilling when you, when you read them. Right? They aren't going to help us. Too busy helping themselves. They aren't going to change us. We got to do it ourselves. Uh, they think that it's over, but it's just begun. Um, talking about school shootings, finding um, hiding spots in schools and doing lockdown drills uh, and saying that the youth will change us, that that those in positions of authority, she is saying in the song, right, are only concerned with themselves and aren't actually concerned with those who are vulnerable in society. We need to to step up, 
make our voices heard. Um, that's the only way we make the vision that we see a rea- or the rea- the the dream that, that we want to make a reality an actual reality. And so I really commend her on uh, putting those words to song and coming out with that single. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a really damning uh, uh, expression, damning statement about uh, about where we are, right? That that um, and, and most and, and most political leaders, right? That you know that that the le- that are leaders on on gun control are the Parkland survivors. Are leaders on on uh, uh, on women's uh, uh, equality is Malala Yousafzai. Uh, that our leader in uh, uh, the fight against climate change is Greta Thunberg. They're right. amazing, amazing, inspiring people. But where are the adults? Right. Why are why why can't we let kids be kids? Why you know kids are doing this because the adults are are um, being bought um, in many situations. I don't want to make generalization about all all politicians and all elected officials, but that they're more concerned with getting reelected. They're more concerned with lobbyists um, and not with the concerns of those who are vulnerable. Not concerned with making sure that society is better for our children, for future generations than it was for previous generations. You know, uh, speaking about all this, it's, it's hard not to bring in another important theme and aspect of, of the documentary and of, of Taylor Swift's uh, music and, and her work, which is um, there was something unique about her speaking out um, as a woman artist. And the, the documentary uh, spends some time talking about what happened to the Dixie Chicks uh, during the Bush years uh, when they, you know, dared to speak out against what was, uh, uh, against the war in Iraq and what was happening uh, in, uh, uh, during, during that time. Uh, and, uh, and they were, they were uh, eviscerated. Their careers were, were essentially destroyed. And in large part, um, it was not only because they were um, uh, speaking out on a liberal position in a, you know, community and world kind of dominated in country music dominated by more conservative views, but also because they were women who were doing it. And there was, uh, there, there's, I think a significant thread of a uh, theme in the movie about how courageous and powerful Taylor Swift actually is, um, in, um, in, in demanding, um, that, uh, that, that, um, that, you know, uh, that women should have, um, an equally powerful voice, um, in the political conversations men do, and yet um, are usually the ones who are disproportionately punished for speaking out. I mean, I see this in the presidential election right now that, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren can be basically arguing for the same policy positions with essentially the same tone of voice, but, uh, but Elizabeth Warren is uh, chastised for being, you know, too, too shrill and angry, uh, and Bernie Sanders is, uh, is, is celebrated for his, you know, powerful conviction. Hashtag nevertheless, she persisted. Hashtag nevertheless, she persisted. Um, no, I, I, I hear that. You know, um, Taylor Swift in her single, The Man, also on uh, Lover, she also writes this single as part of the documentary, um, focuses on the sort of right, different scale, different judgments uh, for men and women um, and how we judge, especially celebrities, especially people... Uh, in power differently. I would be complex. I would be cool. They'd say, I play the field before I found someone to commit to, and that'd be okay for me to do. Uh, it would make me more of a boss to you. 
I would be the man, right? Right. Um, but that's not the reality. And she talks about how men are, and women are, are judged differently. Um, if I could put this out there, Mike, um, and, and do a bit of a, a mea culpa, you know, on, on both of our behalfs, um, although I don't want to speak for you, you can speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> you, went, you, you and I were, were both part of a, a recent um, article that United Synagogue yeah. uh, can, came out with and produced um, for their uh digital magazine called journeys it's about rabbis who are trying to do innovative stuff and bringing torah to the masses doing what my father talks about as public space judaism uh, about different uh classes that we teach in torah that we teach in in the public sphere um and neither of us were aware i actually wasn't even aware that you were interviewed i was asked to be if they could interview me and i said sure not asking and to a fault um who else they were interviewing and they published this um, piece, which interviewed five rabbis, both of us included, and it was five men. And um, they were rightfully so criticized by us. I was embarrassed and ashamed that I didn't think uh, to ask. I assumed that I wouldn't be only men and I know better, but it just, just goes to show you that um, the, the, the challenge which I think Taylor Swift talks about, and I want to be very careful because I acknowledge that it's two of us, two men, who are talking about this. Right, right. Um, but but the the challenge for equality is not just about um, equal pay, right? It's it's a challenge for women to have equal presence uh, in all fields and in all prof professions, and to be really treated equally. And what Taylor Swift is, is saying is that even when we say that. Right, even my own subconscious. Right, I believe this, but my own subconscious sort of ignored and didn't ask those questions. We need to make sure that we follow through on those beliefs. Yeah, I mean, I agree with with everything you said, uh, and you know, I, I I echo your thoughts about that uh, USCJ piece. Um, and uh, you know, I think that this is this is one of the real challenges that you know I think for the the fortunate thing about our time and about our moment is that um, we're we're more you know, awake and aware of um, the presence and persistence of these uh, inequities and, and double standards. Um, I believe the, woke is the term. Woke, thank you. Uh, but uh, but the, the challenge, of course, is that, um, that there's still so, so, so much work to do uh, to be able to, um, to, to have a society and a, a, a world in which, you know, there's, there's true uh, uh, equality uh, between men and women, that uh, that that we that we hold each other uh, to uh, to the same standards, that we don't have different expectations for girls and women that we do for men, and vice versa. Um, there's just so much work to do. And the other aspect of the mea culpa, Jesse, is that um, we come from um, an ancient, uh, so that in some ways. Uh, uh, it doesn't necessarily that doesn't uh, uh, absolve responsibility, but uh, but uh, but an ancient patriarchal tradition um, that uh, that you know read kind of um, you know uh, on face value and um, uh, and you know uh, in like the preponderance of of what it records um, articulates a, a social vision. Uh, that uh, is, you know, in, in some ways, uh, uh, sexist. Uh, and you right. Just... I mean, for 1900 years, the, the rabbinic voice was solely a male voice. Right. I'm doing Daf Yomi now, and we we have a, a really diverse group of, of learners in our community that are doing Daf Yomi, and um, desperately trying to find 
feminist perspectives and, and right anybody could drosh that but the reality is that when it's only men speaking and, and you're leaving out a very important voice a voice of 50 percent of society it's going to be a patriarchal text that that right. our tradition is based off of right so that you know so so what's the answer to that for for judaism to you I think the answer is, and this is why I said, you know, I want to make a mea culpa because I think you and I both failed at this. The answer is to make sure that uh, as much as possible, we provide um, space to the the to a woman's voice on all issues in the same way that we do for a male's voice, uh, which we've done plenty of in Judaism and Jewish history for far too long, um, right? That it's not enough for me to be an ally and to say that that I, I care about women's issues. Um, we need to make sure that we give the space and the time uh, for women to equally share their perspectives and teach their Torah and, if we want to make sure that Judaism is relevant to all. Right. Yeah. I think that that's, I, I think that that's really powerful, you know, and, and that means um, for us, I think uh, um, uh, stepping, uh, stepping out of the way a little bit, a little bit getting, getting, um, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, in, enabling uh, women to, to have um, their rightful place at the table uh, and uh, the rightful uh, prominence and leadership, right? Women are 51% of the population. They be, should be 51% of uh, rabbinic leaders. They should be 51% of, uh, of, of panelists on panels. They should be 51% of the authors we teach. I mean, so um, there's, there's just a lot more work to do. And I think that within Judaism, this is what I love about Jewish tradition, is that, you know, we, we have uh, we have those voices and we have those traditions um, that we can elevate um, you know, starting with Genesis uh, that uh, that says that, you know, all human beings, men and women are created in the image of God, which means that from the very beginning, we have an ethic of fundamental equality of, of men and women, even if it's not been um, uh, honored or expressed for a lot of, of Jewish history. Um, you know, the, the oldest biblical texts are songs that are written by or or uh, uh, or are. Uh, uh, at least uh, pseudonymous with uh, with with women, the song of Miriam and the and the song of Deborah. Um, you, there there are powerful uh, uh, women leaders, uh, figures in biblical text that 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 are often overlooked um, and underread. Uh, and then throughout Jewish history, my my sister in law Judith Rosenbaum uh, is the head of Jewish Women's Archive, um, which uh, which which chronicles and documents um, the the incredibly significant contributions that women leaders have had uh, throughout Jewish history. Uh, and, uh, and so I think it's important to elevate uh, and, and, uh, and give a central place uh, to those stories and those, and, and those figures um, uh, and give them a, a much more central role in the telling of Jewish history and in the narration of Jewish values. I want to encourage our male colleagues um, and male clergy in general, but especially rabbis, to go to livethepledge.com, right? It's easy to be an ally, but it says that, that allyship is a verb. And it's the actions that we all need to take, myself included, to make sure we're, we're allies. It's, it's including uh, 
doing what we failed to do previously to commit to not being on any manals, right? Right. That, that all these male only uh, pa- speaking panels or being interviewed for an article where only men are represented. We failed to really be allies. We, we, I think we both failed in that, that example and didn't speak out enough um, that we can't take for granted that if we believe in true gender equality and gender equity that everybody else does, we need to speak out. Allyship is, is a verb. Absolutely. Uh, Jesse, any uh, final thoughts about Miss Americana or this conversation? Uh, I'm just I'm just a, a Swifty for life uh, now. And so, Mike, uh, do you have any favorite songs? Any now that you are a, a new Taylor Swift fan, favorite Taylor Swift songs? I mean, here's the problem that I've discovered about Taylor Swift is that her whole catalog is wall-to-wall jams. It's just, I know, it's I, like, can't, I can't believe it took me this long to, to appreciate that. I, I mean, her even her early, like, country stuff, love story is, yeah. is, is, is so good. You Belong With Me is so good. And then you get to yeah. 1989 with, like, Shake It Off and Blank Space. Um, Bad Blood, such a good album. You get to Red. I knew you were trouble. We're never getting back together. Uh, just amazing, yes. oh, so amazing good. stuff. And and Lover is just such a good album. Uh, but I I think I think that uh, I mean yeah. Right now I'm like resonating a lot of, uh, with this stuff on Lover. Um, I I you know I uh, um, I I love You Need to Calm Down. I love the title track. I love. Uh, Only the Young uh, is great. Uh, the Man is good. I mean, it's just such a good album. Um, but I think that my favorite at the moment is probably Shake It Off. It's just so catchy and fun nice. and meaningful. Very nice. So if you have not seen Miss Americana, check it out. Streaming now on Netflix. If you have not listened to uh, Lover yet, um, after you're done streaming this podcast, go uh, and go ahead and stream the album. Uh, it's awesome. One other thing, uh, a shameless plug. If you haven't already, please, if you are enjoying this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you are getting your podcast. It uh, definitely helps us uh, share the Torah, share the pop Torah with, uh, with uh, all who might uh, enjoy it. And until next time, I'm Rabbi Jesse Olitsky. And I'm Rabbi Michael Knopf. Take care, and we look forward to sharing more Pop Tour with you soon.